0: the questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth.
1: Welcome to Veritas. If you want to predict the future with accuracy, only one crystal ball will do. People, by the numbers. By looking at demographics, we can predict the future, from commercial to social to political to cultural trends, Counting people reveals what will trend in the next 10 years. That's because it's based on what people are really doing, from fertility to location to aging. Want to get ahead in your field? Pay attention to these seven trends. Women are on the move, immigration on the rise, housing, a shortage looms, education, more students and different classrooms, healthcare, an oncoming tidal wave, cars, waning market demand trucking and shipping, strained to the limits. The truth is, most people don't count people, even at the most basic levels, and have no idea that there are 327 million or so of us living in the United States as of now. There are countless questions to ask, and the answers, as well as the upsides, can be found in real numbers. As waves of generations are born and age, that's what determines our fortunes and our futures. With so much at stake, it pays to know, not guess. Greetings, from your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me or to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback. Just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com And to help us see the future by analyzing demographics, tonight's special guest is Kenneth W. Grumbach. Ken brings a background in marketing to his work as a demographic researcher and sought-after speaker on societal and business trends. He is the president of KGC Direct and the author of The Age Curve, a baby boomer with two generation Y daughters. He lives in Haddam, Connecticut with his wife. His new book is Upside, Profiting from the Profound Demographic Shifts Ahead. The website is kgcdirect.com and Kenneth Grumbach joins us directly from Florida. Hello, Ken, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Good to be here. My pleasure. Well, Ken, why did you become a a demographer and do you have difficulty (laughs) explaining this to People, when they ask you what you do for a living,
0: yeah, people think I make maps. That—that's cartographer, right? No, I'm, a, I'm a demographer. Yeah, best. I guess the best example I can give you was, was um, uh, some years ago, when, when my daughter, who is now 26, was 15, and she's sitting in the back seat of our Volvo wagon with her friend, and her, and her, I'm driving there in this, the back seat, and, and uh, the friend leans over and says, "What does your dad do?" And Libby said, um, he's a demographer. And then there's always a pause. Yeah. And uh, her friend said, a demographer. Is that kind of like an accountant or a uh, an economist? Which I thought was very astute. Yeah, very close in a way. And my daughter, yeah, well, you know, my, my daughter thought for a moment. She said, no, no. She said, accountants and economists count money and stuff. My dad counts people. And people are more important than money and stuff. That's what I do. I count people.
1: That's a great, a very astute way of, of explaining that. Why did yeah. you become a demographer? And do you have, again, why, why did you become one?
0: Well, we had, um, my wife and I had an advertising agency in Middletown, Connecticut, a regional advertising agency. It was a good size. We did about $40 million. And uh, one of our signature accounts was American Honda motorcycles. The uh, American Honda uh, it was it was a wonderful account. We had 140 dealers from the tip of Maine to Washington, D.C., to Pittsburgh, the whole Northeast region, and we would uh, run promotions for them and uh, advertise for them. The bikes would come in from Japan. We'd put them in the dealerships. We'd run millions of dollars worth of advertising, and they'd sell out to the bike, and they'd sell out at asking price until 1986. A funny thing happened. The bikes came in, we put them in the dealerships, we ran millions of dollars worth of advertising. And I get a call from American Honda in California and they said, Ken, did you run the ads? And I said, yeah, I ran, it, it kind of caught me off guard. And he said, well, you know, we don't have any traffic in the dealership, any, any, in a dealership, so any idea what's going on? And he said, Kawasaki, Suzuki, and Yamaha have exactly the same problem. He said, it's like Japanese bikes suddenly are not selling. Is there a reason for that? And I said, not one that I know of. So we we beat our brains out. They actually sent an elite contingent in from, from Japan to study our problem. And, uh, and and they concluded that the price on the bikes was too high. And so we reduced the price on our, our best seller by a third, if you could imagine that, in the automotive industry that was unheard of. Ran ads all over radio and TV and and billboards and newspapers. And still, we couldn't generate any traffic. We beat our brains out from 1986 to 1992. The the, uh, the sales for Japanese motorcycles in the United States fell 80%. And we didn't know why. No idea. We shook hands with American Honda. We said, well, I guess people want bikes like Harley, you know, great big slugs of bikes that were slow and leaked oil, and instead of um, the the bikes that uh, the Japanese were making. Nineteen ninety six, I'm in my office. We we parted with American Honda. I'm in my office and I'm reading a full page editorial in a blue newspaper here uh, uh, that in Connecticut uh, called the Hartford Current, and it was an indictment of um, Generation X. Now, Generation X was born 1965 to 1984. And the editorial was saying that Generation X was not involving themselves in the political process. It was Clinton versus Dole, it was October of the year, The, the, the whole political process was heating up like crazy. And it was saying Generation X was not voting, running for office, giving money or giving time, at the level of the baby boomers. And there were a bunch of lazy slacker couch potatoes. And what was the United States going to come to if Generation X born 1965 to 1984 was our future? And, and I, it, it, that just kind of caught me off guard because I had 40 people working for me, 30 of them were Gen Xers. And, and I didn't have any lazy people. So I, I called in our research uh, department, which is actually just one guy, And I said to him, uh, go find out what you can about Generation X. Statistical abstracts, census data, Bureau of Labor Statistics, CIA factbook, whatever you can find. There's lots and lots of data about generations and about populations. And he came back a week later with a report and said, Generation X will never perform at the level of the boomers. Boomers were born 1945 to 1964, 20 years earlier. And I said, so this generation really is lazy, and he said, "No, Ken. There's fewer of them because they didn't there?
1: reproduce as much as the baby boomers after the war. Nor, no, they,
0: they they had fewer. No, they had fewer parents. Fewer parents. Generation X, generation X parents are very important to populations. Right. Their parents were called the Silent Generation, and the Silent Generation was born 1925 to 1944. The the that was the Gen X parents." During that period, 1925 to 1944, you had the Great Depression and you had the war. There was no immigration during the war and immigration was virtually non-existent during the Depression. The baby boomer parents were born 1905 to 1924. There were 56 million of them born in the United States and there were 14 million people that came here from Europe. So it was a huge generation of 70 million the silent generation, the Gen X population's parents, was only about a little over 50 million. So th- the bottom line was this. I, I, what, what I said to my research guy, I said, so the reason that Generation X, born 65 to 84, is not performing at the level of the baby boomers born 45 to 64, is the fact that they're smaller? And he said, yeah, by 9 million people. Critical mass, they're 11% smaller. He said, peak to valley. The peak of the baby boomers were born in 1957. The valley of Gen X was born 1974, right after Roe versus Wade. And, and he said, it's about a 35% free fall. He said, so wherever it goes, it wipes out markets. And I said, I think we just discovered what happened to motorcycles. I said, because that, that had always been a, a dilemma for me. I, I couldn't figure out why all of a sudden Japanese bikes didn't sell. But we sold Japanese bikes to men 16 to 24, that was it. At 25, they sold the cafe racer. They sold their their bike and bought a ring and got married. And they didn't take the death wish into the marriage. It was as simple as that. We (laughs) knew that death wish. Uh, So you're saying the culprit was that? The culprit was the fact that the generation behind the huge baby boomer generation that was buying our bikes was tiny. They didn't have enough. They literally did not have enough critical mass to sustain the market and when listen mel i have been in marketing my whole life you have you have a 5% drop in the size of your market you got a problem especially if you're 5% after tax profit of course if you have an 11% drop in the size of your market or worse yet peak to valley the peak of of the of the uh, gen uh of, of the baby boomers were born in 1957 to the trough of gen x it's like a 35% drop you vaporize markets, absolutely vaporize them. They they go away, and nobody knows why. So what we did is is, is we discovered what happened to motorcycles, and then our, our our next move was we said what else have they done? So we we tracked this weird generation called Gen X, born sixty five to eighty four, and we went back and looked at maternity wards, and they shut them down. They shut down maternity wards in cities consolidated. There were some hospitals that had them and some hospitals that didn't because you could, there weren't, there wasn't enough reason to have them. They shut down toys. They shut down 30% of the public schools. They shut down bicycles. They shut down motorcycles. And we tracked them as they, as they grew up. They, they shut down Detroit. The they, Detroit could not figure out why they couldn't sell the same number of the highly profitable SUV v- vehicles to this new generation as they did to the boomers but nobody bothered to count them and in 2008 baby boomers all of a sudden tried to uh, get the equity out of their homes by and, and retire it was the whole was the beginning of baby boomer retirement by selling their homes and they they tried to sell them to a generation that wasn't big enough to buy them and that caused the housing crisis the real estate bubble huh? you know, uh, absolutely so it, it it just keeps on going now once we made that discovery, now we just apply that to um, you give me an industry, you give me a consumer product, you, you and and I'll tell you why and how it's going to fare based on the demographic size of its market. And it's not that hard.
1: this is so fascinating because a lot of people probably wouldn't even think of some of the aspects you're mentioning it but again I'm a bit confused if the Gen Xers were buying say Harleys and and perhaps some other types of bikes but it was spe- specifically Honda what about Kawasaki and the rest of them was it only a Japanese motorcycle issue or was it a a a general wide situation for all motorcycles
0: no it was the, what the the demo the customer for a Harley is much older than the customer for a Japanese bike, for Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, and Yamaha. More expensive too, of the, course. The Japanese, yeah, the Japanese bikes sold to men sixteen to twenty-four. Period. The Harleys uh, are like thirty to sixty. So it when when the the baby boomers moved on out out of the demo for Japanese bikes, then Harley Davidson couldn't make bikes fast enough
1: because we had a different demographic but what about the rest of the japanese bike did they also suffer the same they fate all, of honda
0: they all failed you know, they all they, did they, they all failed and, and it was a 100% failure it was essentially all the dealerships failed the only dealerships that made it were the ones that were selling cars or um outboard motors or lawnmowers
1: when i was reading it, your book of course uh, i when i was reading your yeah. book I, I it's not that i took offense but when i read that part that said uh, perhaps Gen Xers are lazy and this. I'm a Gen Xer, it's 1967. So I know I'm not lazy. <laughs> I know my peers were probably some of the hardest working people that I ever worked with. So obviously yeah. something was wrong in this culprit that you're mentioning makes so much sense. So baby boomers, what's going to happen with them once they retire in the next few years? Four million a year. Are they going to open up new jobs? The unemployment rate will go down. What's going to happen?
0: Well, the... the- it's kind of an interesting phenomena because the, the baby boomers, because of the housing crisis in 2008, and in 2008, we discovered that we had too many houses. That was the bottom line. We had too many. And and uh, baby boomers could not retire. So baby boomers did not leave the labor force. They stayed in the labor force much later than other generations, uh, in, uh, in a lot of cases beyond the age of 65, what that did is it didn't allow Generation Y to enter the labor force. Now, Generation Y was born 1985 to 2004. Millennials is what they're called. And it's the largest generation ever born in the United States. There's about, a, a good guess would be about 88 million of them. So there's, there's, there's almost 10 million more than, than their baby boomer parents. Generation Y lived with their parents. They lived in, in it was almost a, a metaphor. They would live in the in the, the basement with all the trophies that they didn't deserve, and but once the baby boomers started leaving the labor force, they welcomed Generation Y into the labor force, and now everything is changing. There's there's all new categories that are opening up for in in commerce, uh, and not the least of which, and this is the biggest one, when when Generation Y and they're only now starting to move out. They are currently 15 years old to 34 years old. So the very leading edge of them are are getting married, and they are starting households. In a lot of cases, uh, that they're not buying; they're simply renting. You can see a lot of that in Texas and California. It's very interesting. In fact, we, we're we're doing some research for for um, a very very large real estate company now. Uh, as to where Generation Y is going to live. But Generation Y is moving out, getting married, and moving out of their parents' homes. The problem is we are 25 million housing units short of our needs, which means that uh, construction of, of uh, housing units, and, and that includes freestanding houses, condos, anything, anything that someone would live in is will spike and probably not look back for the next 15 years.
1: Let me ask you this about Gen, Gen Y, not buying yeah, Gen h- h- homes. Is it because real estate is too overpriced or is it because they have student loans?
0: Well, the, the student loan problem, which is, you know, they have about a trillion and a, a trillion five hundred billion in student loans. That, oh. that is an issue. Um, is it going to stop this process? No, it's not. The, the, um, uh, Generation Y is going to have to live somewhere. They will figure it out. Either they're going to live in a freestanding home that they will buy or they will rent. Uh, who knows? But they're they're moving out of their parents' basements.
1: I was going to say basement. So yeah. when it comes to Gen-, Gen Y, again, I see a lot of kids that uh, – I remember in the 90s when I was, uh, uh, you know – a port Mobility, yuppie corporate world. I could afford an apartment, a two bedroom apartment for myself in California. Try that now in San Francisco, and see if you can do that. Especially with these kids that are have a hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars sometimes when they come, they go with further graduate degrees, and they go out and they can't find a job that pays for even covering the student loans. How can is the real estate market going to crash again in the future because? Of this,
0: in in my opinion, and, and and based on our our data, no, no, I think that the the kids are going to find a way, and and I know that the debt is high, but the debt, if when you look at the trillion five hundred billion dollars that is outstanding in student loan debt, a lot of that was precipitated by uh, for-profit colleges, and it uh, influenced uh, minorities. Uh, I really don't think that it's 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 going to um, influence the mainstream uh, uh, Gen Y millennial kids and, and here's the reason and, and it's it's the amount of money that their parents have their parent you know if you want to to buy all the stock in the stock market right now buy all of it you'd probably have to come up with about 20 uh, trillion dollars it might be a little bit more than that Uh Boomers right now own the stock market, and boomers also have $12 trillion in the bank. Boomers have money. So when you have parents with money, for the most part, big picture, macro, forest, not trees, uh, we're fine. I I think their parents are going to help
2: them get started.
1: So what you're saying is that as these baby boomers.
2: Thank you for listening.